How's it going, Alex? It's nice to meet you finally. Yes, we follow each other. We see each other's stuff. This is great. Yeah, well, hopefully soon in person. Yes, very soon. How's your day going so far? So far, so good. I, I am one, uh, I am somebody that enjoys a good rainy day every, every now and then. Yeah, just feels good, doesn't it? Yeah. Cleanses exactly. the soul. <laughs> yeah, that's one way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. it does. Congrats, no, get, on, all the new, congrats on, the, on all the excitement, uh, exciting developments on your end. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a journey. Sometimes I'm like, why did I start this again? <laughs> <laughs> I know I started the podcast. You know, it was a one way of connecting with people during this time because it was kind of quiet. Me and my dog. So <laughs> it was a way to connect. And now, now I said, ah, let's take another challenge on. But you know what? Clearly the... Canada's ready for it and people want to start traveling again and feel free. So, yeah. Yeah. So thank you for, for, for doing that. Thank you, Alex. Have you got uh, both your vaccines done yet? Yeah. Both vaccines are underway and now just waiting for the borders to reopen. And uh, it's been an, it's been an incredible year and a half for many reasons, but we are looking forward to visiting friends and family again soon. Of course. Yeah. Are you, cause you're from Toronto originally born in Toronto. Yeah, so I'm originally from Toronto, but <clears throat> when I was three, my family relocated to South America wow. um, and then was raised in Argentina and then did my university and grad school in New York. So even though the joke, the joke in my family is that the only thing that's Canadian about me is my passport um, and that the move, and even though I love Toronto, I've never, it's never been home. Um, and so this move to Calgary last year was in essence a homecoming to Canada of sorts. Interesting. And how's it been so far, like getting used to Canada and its ways? It well, you know, it's uh, <laughs> um, it's my answer is not going to be a complete one because moving here during COVID, you don't really get to know a, a place truly. But we have been so incredibly blessed by the kindness and generosity of Calgarians. I mean, it's just. Um, and we've had a lot of friends from Toronto that have moved out here too, and 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 the common. The common opinion seems to be, oh my God, Calgary is just so nice. Um, so we've 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 noticed that loud and clear. We've benefited from from that. We are so blessed to be here, and um, you know, and Calgary is just transforming and reinventing and trying to figure out who it wants to be when it grows up. And and so I think that's a very exciting time to be here. Absolutely. You know, coming from the Lincoln Center and bringing your expertise here, was it? challenging or was it easier to say well and it's such a different time right with covid totally changed the whole ball game here when you originally had decided to come here was it during covid or was it pre-covid it was pre-covid so i had uh, an offer had been my interview process was throughout 2019 uh decision was made late 2019 early 2020 and it wasn't until we were preparing for the move that covid um, really ramped up. In fact, I was in Calgary for a visit the week of March. I had, I had accepted the position. Uh, I was in Calgary for a visit the week of March 13th, which is when everything just ramped up. And I remember I was in a, I was in a meeting, uh, an arts commons meeting at uh, city hall with the mayor and he had to excuse himself because it was the day that Calgary was shutting down. Um, and I remember, and of course, New York had been, you know, uh, this had been a topic of conversation in New York and, and New Yorkers were trying to figure out what to do. And 
I remember flying back to New York two or three days early. Um, I, I think I landed on a, I, I landed back in New York on a Saturday. By Sunday, New York public schools had shut down and moved into remote learning. And my wife, who's a, a, a teacher, we looked at each other and said, listen, if I'm still transitioning uh, to Calgary and you're now teaching remotely, what are we doing in New York? And at that point, New York was a hotspot. And we, we took our two dogs and we put them in a car and we drove to North Carolina for what we thought might be like a two week, you know, just getaway. Uh, and then it ended up being two and a half months. And we ended up making the drive from North Carolina to Calgary in an RV. Very bizarre. Like one of those stories you'd hear from like your parents era or your grandparents era. Oh, we trekked down here. Or we <laughs> wow. Or, or a zombie movie. Or a zombie movie, yes, in an RV. <laughs> yeah. Good for you guys. And is your wife Canadian or is she American? Uh, American from Florida. Florida, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, and, and, and one of the silver linings, if, if you can call it that, is uh, originally we were going to be moving to Canada at different times. Uh, so that she could see the end of the school year through. And one of the great things about this, how it worked out, is that we were able to make the move together. And um, as bizarre as the drive was, it was a beautiful part of our trip. And it was a very poetic way of saying our goodbyes to the U.S. and just seeing parts of the country that are just breathtaking mm -hmm. that we had never seen before. When you look back at the pan pre or early pandemic and your goals that you had for Calgary with the Arts Commons, did it completely have to just be scrapped? No, it was actually invigorated, and and I'll and I'll tell you more why. Um, my my role at Lincoln Center and my belief in the arts um, had always been that the arts and as a result, arts institutions need to belong to the communities that surround them. Um, and for anybody that's familiar with Lincoln Center, you're also aware of a reputation that it's earned around being elitist and exclusive. And, um, and part of my job over the last seven years uh, when, when I was there was to essentially break down these barriers of what, were, of what was preventing people, uh, New Yorkers, of, of feeling like this world-class institution belonged to them. Um, and a huge part of my work at Lincoln Center was consulting around the world um, with other institutions and government agencies on how to make these institutions a little more re relevant and accessible um, and impactful to the communities, to the, to, the, to the local communities. And one of the things that I learned very early on in that process uh, is that, you know, what works in New York is not going to work in Mexico City and what works in Mexico City is not going to work in Shanghai or in, in Madrid or, or in Calgary. Mm -hmm. So what that process working at Lincoln Center taught me is that what works in a particular community is never going to be replicable somewhere else, but that there are core questions that one can ask themselves. And as long as we are answering them uh, collaboratively and communally, then we start arriving at answers that are rooted in sort of a local uh, uh, texture or you know, local reality and local context. So my, my, my hopes and, and ambitions for Arts Commons were always to make it more relevant, more inclusive, more accessible, more impactful, um, and to push arts organizations into embracing their civic responsibility. And, um, and you know, I, I can say that of anywhere that I go, but 
the process of leaning into that in Calgary is going to be very different than anywhere else because Calgary is a unique city and Calgarians are unique and uh, and nobody wants to be spoon fed, uh, you know, a, a, a solution that worked somewhere else. And so it's it, going back to your question. COVID, when you talk about embracing a civic responsibility or civic dialogue, you kind of need the world to be begging for it in order to lean into it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I, I mean, I don't want to call it a benefit because COVID has been so devastating, but one of the things that we've seen around the world during the pandemic, because it, it has been, um, you know, the, the pandemic hasn't discriminated geographically, it's impacted everybody. And what the opportunity it's created for us is all of a sudden the need for civic discourse and civic dialogue is, is being shouted from the rooftops. And when you're when when somebody like me is, is is stepping into this position and wanting to embrace a responsibility towards civic dialogue, there's kind of no better time to do it when there's a crisis that's and, and people are are needing to 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 you know feel a connection to each other and themselves and our shared humanity and and you know it and so to me the arts the arts have never been given such a more such a powerful opportunity to have to rethink, redefine, and rearticulate their value to society. And so I, I, I see it as, as a giant gift that we have been given the opportunity to do that with and for Calgary. Yeah. Is it a gift because more people were at home and there's a tension now? Everyone was forced to stop for a second and say, what matters? Um, I think in part, I think a huge part of that is um, you know, everybody's values have been completely upended and everybody's values and status quos have been challenged. But it's also, I, 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 don't want it to, I don't want it to seem like all of a sudden the arts have been this unspoken uh, medicine that we've been with. Because, and, and the reason I say that is because the arts community has also had to struggle through reinvention over the past 15 months. So it's not like all of a sudden the arts, as they have existed for thousands of years, are now this antidote to COVID. I mean, I think I think in many parts they have because when you think about the past fifteen months, um, you know, physical isolation, emotional is- isolation, and you think about one of the many roles that the arts plays in society is building community and bringing people together and and bringing folks together around conversation and ideas and just. Um, performance and, and performance right and storytelling and and to me that's what that's what we have been missing um so i do think that the arts as as they have existed for thousands of years will be a huge part of how we heal moving forward but i also think that arts institutions as a business have had to completely redefine what success looks like um and and that's very exciting to me because we get to right one of my biggest issues over the past few maybe i would say 20 years is that the arts, not most arts, but when you think about like the traditional art forms and, and art centers, it's almost like the arts have become a luxury good that are overconsumed by too few people, right? And, and when you think about, and I, I understand why many arts organizations have had to move in that direction for funding reasons, for, you know, for, for philanthropic reasons, but moving too far in that direction means that you lose relevance. And so when you have this opportunity in time 
when there is there there is a hunger and that hunger will continue to grow around people needing to come together around storytelling people needing to come together around music and dance and community building um, we need to start pivoting away from that luxury good mentality and this needs to be for everybody mm-hmm. um, and and that's going to see that gap though in calgary as well where it's getting pushed up and the lower bottom is just free for all and they're not attending well i mean what's interesting about calgary and what i'm loving about calgary is that the the cultural community is so vibrant yes and and there is such a beautiful artist community and there is such you know like uh, a grassroots artist community and one of my fears when i first got here and COVID hit is are we going to lose these folks and, and are they going to start saying to themselves, you know, if, if the gig economy is drying up, what am I doing living in Calgary? Uh, now, one could make the argument that if we lose folks, we also potentially benefit from larger cities and like maybe people in Montreal or Toronto or Vancouver saying, well, if the gig economy is drying up there, where can I go? And Calgary might be that sweet spot. But, but I wanted, you know, I asked the question early on, what can we do and what responsibility does a place like Arts Commons have? to help embrace and protect and nurture an artist community that's going through a really hard time. And so, you know, you talk about, you know, going back to your question about this divide, I don't know that it's necessarily so much a vertical divide as much as um, uh, having having institution, and, and this is true for many cities, not just Calgary, you have institutions that have certain privilege and certain platforms and I think there's been a reshifting and a refocusing of those privilege and privileges and platforms towards local communities. Um, and I think I've seen that we've seen that around the world because you know artists aren't traveling anymore. There's no international touring, and so you have places like Arts Commons where, I mean, let's be honest, we need you know even though we are this large institution, at the end of the day, if I were to oversimplify, we need two things: we need audiences and we need artists. And and if 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 our traditional way of engaging with artists that is international and global is being redefined, then we need to focus on local artistry and local and the local artist community. So um, I, I do see this coming together of um, of grassroots sort of artist communities and, and organizations like Arts Commons. A needing them in a new way and B realizing their responsibility towards them are you seeing more smaller organizations or groups come together during the pandemic that now are saying hey we have something i think there was paper bag or you know there's different lunchbox theater ish kind of things yeah i mean i i it's hard for me to answer that because i've not i've not been a consumer in calgary for too long and (laughs) you haven't had the opportunity i haven't had the opportunity i've only seen the inside of this home office but um, but I can't speak, you know, Arts Commons is a performing arts center. We are, the, we are what I call, we are stewards of an ecosystem. And, and in order for us to be successful as stewards of an ecosystem, we need to make sure that this ecosystem is allowing uh, the artists and companies that live within that ecosystem, we need to be empowering their success and their, and their, and their vibrancy. And, and, you know, and, and I say that a lot and people say that sounds really lovely. What does it actually mean? Well, what it, what it actually means is we need to find new ways of working together. And the example I always share is, you know, I, I give this example of Lincoln Center because it's just so funny and it articulates the point perfectly. You know, at Lincoln Center, there's 
there are 11 organizations sharing a 16 acre campus. And the joke was that the 11 organizations could not agree on a single toilet paper vendor. And, and, and you know, and, and the, the joke was, not joke, because it's, it's serious and it's real, but, you know, the argument was, if we could agree on a single toilet paper vendor, there are millions of dollars to be saved collectively. And by coming together and working together differently, we get to uh, elevate and we get to alleviate some of the administrative burdens that these smaller groups have. Now, Arts Commons as a performing arts center is literally designed to, to step into that role. And so the questions that we have been asking ourselves and our resident companies and the 200 user groups that use our buildings and facilities every year is, what are the economies of scale that we can bring forward? What are the shared services models that we can bring forward to help alleviate? And, and I think, and what's been so fascinating is that you have an art, you have an arts community in Calgary that was built in times of plenty, right? With the oil and gas. And, and you have arts organizations that they're all doing their own ticketing and box office. They're all doing their own marketing. They're all doing their own HR, their own. And, and I can understand how we got to that point. But over the past 15 years, Calgary and everybody else for that matter has been asked to reevaluate. And, and I think the timing of the, of the pandemic has allowed and accelerated organizations that are perhaps smaller or mid-sized institutions to come to the table in new ways and be open to collaborating in new ways. And so as, as somebody that has stepped into this role and wanted to lean into this uh, uh, stewardship model where we are helping to alleviate the, the, some of the administrative burdens and we are introducing this concept of a rising tide lifts all boats, it's been really heartwarming to know that organizations are now um, what feels like more open to having this conversation than ever before. Could you see, say, a company centralizing all these tickets instead of uh, in a local company rather than Ticketmaster yourself doing it, vice versa? Well, I mean, Ticketmaster is, you know, like the, you, you have the software. So like, you know, Ticketmaster, Tessitura, um, uh, you know, I could go on Spectrix. There, there are so many um, softwares that have surfaced um, out of the need of reimagining the user experience, right? Because I think gone are the days where you call in for a box office uh, phone call. Everything now is going to be paperless or touchless, particularly coming out of COVID. Um, and, and these softwares, as user-friendly as they are, um, can be quite expensive and burdensome for any one institution to, to have a contract with. And, and, and so when I think of the role that an arts commons can play or a Lincoln Center or any of the you know, 50 performing arts centers across North America is how can we, you know, how can we build an infrastructure, yeah, an infrastructure that allows institutions to uh, get what they need out of it, but also, and, and, you know, and so, and it, it has multiple benefits to it. So the first one is, you know, it, it should, you know, we should be passing on these savings to the resident companies. We should be passing on supports to the resident companies, but there's another side to this, which is it, you're also increasing points of sale. Um, you know, one of the things that I would love to see for Arts Commons is, 
you know, for, for Calgarians that are familiar with our ecosystem, you know, you have the Calgary Philharmonic Orchestra and ATP and Theatre Calgary and Downstage and One Yellow Rabbit and Arts Commons Presents. They each have their own purchase path. Um, and what's interesting is there's this concept, and I love this phrase, even though it's not mine, um, uh, you know, it's, it's um, uh, people are becoming uh, what I call culturally promiscuous, meaning that I think gone are the days where people have this loyalty to one institution. Hmm. People want to consume on their terms. And so in consuming on their terms, you might have somebody that really wants to go see this one show at the Calgary Philharmonic Orchestra, this one show at Theatre Calgary, this one show at ATP, this one show at the Jubilee, right? It's, it could be anywhere. And how do we reward cultural promiscuity in a way that isn't just one institution? So when we think about building this infrastructure, at least when I think about building this infrastructure for the user groups within Arts Commons, I also think about it from the from the audience perspective and saying, well, we we now have the infrastructure to reward cultural promiscuity. And the more you buy across, you know, the more you buy or the more that you consume institution agnostic, we can reward you for that because we're all connected on the back end. So there, there are things that benefit both the institutions and the audience members that allows for allows for people to consume on their terms. You know, you're so right, though, because for me, it was Jubilee Auditorium. Every show, Jubilee, Jubilee. That's the only place I looked, nowhere else. <laughs> but it would be nice if there was something where you said, oh, oh, this is going on here, this is going on. And it wouldn't matter for me because you you just purchased off one site, done. Right? Yeah. And how, do we, and how do we get everybody to acknowledge that a rising tide lifts all boats? So, like, if you were to go see a show at the Jubilee, you know, would there be an announcement in the, in the program about a show that's coming to Theater Calgary or a show that's coming to, and, and that's something that we can do internally. So like if you were to go see a Christmas Carol at Theater Calgary, might there be an insert in their program where all of a sudden there's a shout out to ATP's The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe or to a show that the Calgary Philharmonic is doing or to the high performance rodeo. And I think there's this ability and desire to want to work better together because when, when we become so, and I understand why we do it, but, but when we become so siloed and when we become so protective over our audiences and our funders and our, then there's this very, it's, it's almost like we start shrinking. Um, and so this idea that, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats that, you know, I've always said to, to, to my teams and, and, you know, you can never shrink your way out of a problem. You need to grow and expand your way out of a problem. And, and, and chances are you can never do that on your own. So how do we come together in new ways and, 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 and grow our way out of this problem together? Um, and what I find interesting is that Arts Commons, given the role that we play and given that what our mandate is now 40 years later almost, we were designed to do just that. And I think there's never been a more important time in our history to embrace this idea of stewardship and to lean into an institution whose mandate is to, is to protect that ecosystem. So I'm excited, and excitement's probably a weird phrase to hear, but I'm excited that, that a pandemic like this has actually rearticulated a need for this um, uh, stewardship to, 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 to be elevated again. We weren't in the pandemic and we look at the projections hindsight 
what can you see or foresight sorry what can you see could you have seen this slowly fading and needing this model if oil and gas was working everything was la di da da well i think that's a great question i think where so let me let me take a step back the 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 to me the role of a performing arts center does two things right so one of them is um we are the stewards of an ecosystem when it comes to our need to protect the artist community not protect but like invest and care for it the other thing we do which is a little more external facing is we provide a single hub for all this activity so you know when 40 years ago when when the when when the brilliant founders of arts commons said they you know they wanted to build something they could have gone one of two directions they could have said you know what theater calgary alberta theater projects calgary philharmonic orchestra who are the the founding resident companies they could have gone to them and said we're going to each we're going to build you your own space and you're going to be across town from each other mm. but they didn't they had the wherewithal to say there's value in cultural density. And so instead of building each organization their own home, they said, we're gonna build a center for Calgary where you can go to the center as one destination for multiple cultural offerings. And so that to me is, is, a, is a very clear choice. And so what that does, what that articulates is that in addition to, in, a, in, a, in addition to nurturing this artistic community, we are also in a position to talk about collective impact on and with Calgary. And so when you think about those, that internal mechanism and that external mechanism, where we would have gone if the pandemic hadn't happened is we would probably be leaning into Arts Commons as a destination for Calgary. Um, but what I would guess is with a lot more internal siloing. And what we have now an opportunity, and, and it's hard to do because you need to connect those two parts of your identity. If you're siloed internally, then you're gonna be siloed externally. And if you're siloed internally, then you're gonna have people that will come to the Calgary Philharmonic Orchestra and will never see another show in another theater and will we'll only ever know that piece of our pie. The benefit right now of de-siloing ourselves internally is we now get to present ourselves to Calgary in a whole new way. And we get to say to Calgary, you know, if you loved, it's almost like Netflix, right? Like if you love this show, how about these other three? Exactly. And, and we, start, we start breaking down these silos, not just for the benefit of our own business model, but for the benefit of cultural consumers in Calgary that don't operate in silos. No, um, you're so right though. You so, nailed so it. Yeah, so that's that's the that's that's I think what's most exciting, and of course we're talking about a brand new building, right? Because we're embarking on this expansion project, and we get to now build this new facility with all these ideas in mind, and say what what would it look like to build a true performing arts center, not just of the 21st century but also beyond, that is based on these really fun new ideas as opposed to just building another performing arts center like we've been building them for the past, past 50 years. Isn't it interesting how history in a way repeats itself? So say 40 years ago, they put everyone close together. There's no technology, but now it's like, okay, now use it in the digital world. Let's bring them together again. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's, 
and and I think the use of tech, uh, the use of the not, I mean, certainly the use of technology is going to be a big one for us to to tackle, and we've started doing that. But also, the community's relationship to the arts and what role we truly play in society. And I think art centers and arts organizations have gone from being what I call the arbiters of excellence mm -hmm. into the conveners of vibrancy. And I think, you know, 30 years ago, arts organizations were curators and we would go into the city, we would go into communities and say, this is what you should be liking. And you should be liking it because we're telling you it's good. And it's good because we're putting it on our stages. And now in order for us to remain more relevant, we actually need to put our ear to the ground and say, what do people, how do people define culture? How do different communities reflect and, 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 and participate culturally? And if we are truly meant for everybody, then we have a responsibility to embrace everybody's perspective of culture. Mm -hmm. And when you have a place like Arts Commons, which, you know, talk about collective impact, but when you have a place like Arts Commons, that holistically can host up to 2000 events per year and welcome hundreds of thousands of people. When you have that level, when you have that level of inventory, you actually can start chipping away at having almost something for everybody. And so that's when you, we need to embrace that responsibility we have and say, okay, how do we, um, you know, how, how do we not just go out into Calgary and say, this is what's amazing, but how do we invite Calgary into our home and say, what do we need to look like in order for you to want to belong here and, and feel welcome here? Um, so it's, you know, it, it's, 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 it's a paradigm shift and it's a paradigm shift that very interestingly enough has been embraced by libraries. So when you look at libraries over the past 20 years, they've had to completely redefine their value to society. <laughs> totally. and, and, and to be honest, the Calgary Public Library in downtown is one of the most beautiful manifestations of that that I've ever seen anywhere in the world. And to be frank, when I was interviewing for the position uh, at Arts Commons, I remember going to the library three times during my weekend here. And I said, if Calgary can do this for the library, then it can do this for the for its arts community. And that's what I find so exciting. Do you see virtual reality and virtual shows still a thing? Or was that just through the pandemic to kind of make people happy? And it was a good test. Yeah. I think what's what's been what's been frustrating for me is that um a lot of arts organizations have just filmed what would normally be on stage. And what's been, and frustrating might be the wrong word, but there's been a missed opportunity. And I think digital experiences over the past 15 year, 15 months, sorry, for the most part have been designed to get people not to forget about us, right? Mm -hmm. So it's been more about let's film somebody doing something on stage um, and the digital conversation has been more around distribution of content than about content creation. And so, and so what I'm excited about arts organizations, and it's part of the reason we partnered with Canon for this long-term partnership, is not just to answer the question, what role does digital technology have in terms of distributing content? Because that then you start cannibalizing, potentially, potentially you start cannibalizing your audience. And you say, well, why should I go to the Jack Singer concert hall when I can see the exact same version of the show online at home? And instead, 
how do we use digital technology to create content differently? So that in the creation of content, you're creating two different experiences. And one day, hopefully soon, a consumer in Calgary or anywhere around the world can say, you know, the Rolling Stones are coming to Calgary and I have two options. I can go see them live or I can have this completely different cultural experience because technology is being used in a very different way than just capturing for archival reasons. You know, could people at home direct their own experience? Could they watch, could they select what angles to pick from? Could they, you know, so sports is starting to do that. And so to me, what, what, what the past 15 months have highlighted is that the relationship between the live arts and digital technology, we've only started scratching the surface of it. And I would hope, and I know that it's gonna be true for Arts Commons, the conversation between live arts and digital technology is going to continue to evolve, not just from a distribution perspective, but through how do we use digital technology to create content differently and tell stories in a different way. That is super cool. I'm excited for this. Alex, Thanks. I'm so happy we have you here in Calgary. Oh my goodness. Thank you for having me. It's, 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 it's truly a joy. Um, yeah. It's, and to think that we've been able to do this while, you know, while, while being closed to the public technically um, is, 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 has been, has been a thrilling opportunity and that we get to reintroduce ourselves to Calgary in the next few months in a, in a slightly different way is there's there's been no greater gift has there been a, a positive feedback when you've brought up the idea of decentralizing or sorry centralizing to decentralize in terms of ticket sales and you know all of these systems that we've had for no reason it's it's interesting there there has been um when you make the business case for it there's literally i mean it's you literally cannot poke a hole in it no, there's like, no brainer. <laughs> like there, it's a no brainer. Um, where where it gets tricky, and and this is for obvious reasons, is 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 the letting go of of seemingly the the letting go of control, and which is why I think um, building relationships throughout all of this has been the most important thing. Because we in in the si in the historic siloing of institutions, and I'm not just talking about our resident companies. I think I'm talking Calgary and, and or or hypothetically anywhere. When when you're when you build a community on these silos, what happens over time is there is a lack of trust because there's never you've never had the need for it. And so when you start having these conversations anew, what happens is the business case makes sense, but can I really trust you? Um, and so it's what's important to me is that as we start introducing these concepts, that we also, you know, we, we, we earn the trust of the community we're trying to serve. Um, and, and again, you know, like one of the first things I said to the resident companies when I started, uh, you know, we sat around a table and I said, you know, Calgary Philharmonic Orchestra, if you have a bad year, we all have a bad year. Theater Calgary, if you have a bad year, we all have a bad year. So once we understand that we're all interconnected, we have no choice but to want each other to do well. Because it's not about our own books, right? It's not about yeah. But 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 let's say hypothetically, let's say that I was a horrible person and very selfish, yes. right? Let's let's imagine for a second that that's that's who I was, and all I cared about was my books. I would still need the resident companies to do well in order for my books to do well. 
was it hard to get, say, some of the not so forward thinking individuals out there? And I don't know who, but I'm sure there are people that are saying, yeah, you know what? We're good. We're, we're okay. We'll get through it our, our own way. Is well, it hard I mean, to shift the mind set? That's, that's the hardest thing to shift, right? That's the, cause you can make, you can make the business case you can make. And at the end of the day, and this is true for, I think this is true for, for everybody, not just the arts world. There is a segment of a population that will always say, but this is how we've done it. And, and, and that could be true in, in oil and gas. It could be true in, in, in arts and culture. It could be true in anything. And the folks that usually stand their ground and say, but this is how we've always done it. I, that, that's just, and particularly in a moment in time when we are being disrupted so severely and when, when everybody is being begged to reevaluate how we're going to evolve and make it out of this, that's the mentality that I don't think is ever going to succeed, regardless of what sector we're in. Well, this Alex, idea. we saw Blockbuster Netflix. Well, the, there you go, right? This is how we've I, always done it. And he was offered a million dollars to buy Netflix as a CEO <laughs> for uh, the Blockbuster. Yeah, yeah. And so I think, I think it's a matter of, you know, how do you have those conversations with folks? And I think what I'm grateful of is there are more, and those folks will always be there, but what I'm grateful of in Calgary and in particular during my time here in the past year and, the, and, the, and my colleagues and peers is that while those folks all are always there, they are outnumbered by the people that want to experiment and want to try and see the value in doing this. So that really, that's all you can ask for. And, and, and that's, I mean, that's something that when you work for Lincoln Center, you face anytime you walk into any community, like, who do you think you are? You know better than us. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of this going back to the, um, I know what worked and didn't work for Lincoln Center. I'm also incredibly critical of Lincoln Center because Lincoln Center is part of the reason why the arts have become this luxury good and inaccessible. It's been there forever, but it's just getting further divided. Well, I think it comes, I mean, it's, it's a variety of factors. The, the, the first one is, I mean, going back to its inception, it was, it was built as this temple, right? It was built on, it was travertine. It was, um, and also there's a history with performing arts centers in North America where, where they are also used as um, mechanisms for urban renewal. Right, urban renewal is a heavy topic no matter what industry you're in. And so what happens is you have a place like Lincoln Center or any performing arts center in North America that is being built. And in doing so, you are kind of displacing an entire community. So like when Lincoln Center was built, they, I mean, Lincoln Center is very proud to say, oh, this is the community in which West Side Story was filmed in the 50s. But what they don't talk about is that in building it, you displace the entire Puerto Rican community. And so, so long, pony boy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, so part of it is how do we now reconcile that and how do we own that part of our history to say, you know, and what responsibility do we now have towards the communities that were displaced to say we, we, need, to, we need to acknowledge the harm that we did and we want to embrace your cultural identity as part of our, as part of, as part of a, a you know, a hopefully re reconciling of, of, of harm and trauma. So there's, so, you know, so it's, it's hopefully 
going back to your original question, as I've gotten to know people in Calgary, I've, I have not embodied their fears of this snobby New Yorker coming in and telling them how to do things, but rather, but rather say, we have this amazing opportunity for Calgary. And as a newcomer, I don't have the answers, but I think I know what questions to ask. And I want to surround myself with different Calgarians and different communities to help answer the question, how do we lean into this for Calgary's future? And, um, and I see that being our role is how do we convene? How do we ask questions? And then how do we just keep quiet and let other people answer? That's what you said. You're down, right? To listen. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks so much, Alex, for your time today. I know it took a little longer with you, but. No, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. We'll get together soon. I hope so. Yes.